Bless his name. How many of y'all believe in lifting him up? This ain't just an emotional frenzy. When you recognize that there's no one above him and there's nobody like him, it makes your mouth open. And so because he's good, I, left, I want the fruit of my life. I don't want no rocks crying out for me. I want to cry out for myself for the goodness of God and his mercy. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. Amen. 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 Um, just a few things as we begin uh, today. Just a few things to highlight. I want to highlight um, our friends from the Village Church that are with us today. All our Village Church family, why don't y'all stand up? Our Village Church family, y'all stay right there. Drew and Drew. We had them. We got Josh Drew and then the other Drew Z. We're going to call him DZ. Can we call you DZ, man? I like DZ. That's cool right there. DZ, that's your new name now. All right. We got Pastor Bo Lee, pastor of the Village Denton with us. And then we got Pastor Josh Warren, worship pastor, hanging with us. We have Kimbo. We have the entire family with us. We're so excited uh, for them to be able to hang with us today and you may be seated just to hang with us today. Uh, Epiphany Fellowship would not be where it is by God's grace. He could have used anybody, but he chose to use them in partnership to help us for these last six years to be where we are in excess of over $400,000 they've invested into this church. And so we bless the Lord, God, for that. And, um, and so a lot of what's going on here, we, we bless God. Church planting happens in places like this because of urban-suburban partnerships. And so, again, we thank God for the leadership of Pastor Bo and Pastor Matt Chandler, who are great friends of this ministry. I have a special guest with me today, um, a woman that has been uh, just close to my wife and I's heart. Um, Mama Earlene is with us today. She, she's our block captain on this street. And so she makes, she makes sure this street is taken care of. And so it's beautiful for her to be able to gather with us today and just hang with us. So we're glad you're here, Mama Earlene. Amen, 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 amen. Um, um, also, uh, uh, man, I don't even know how to say this. Um, I mean, it's kind of weird, weirdaciousness, right? Um, um, you know that school we're trying to get in Malawi, right? God done did his crazy stuff again. <laughs> we have um, been praying that the school would be able to be built uh, because we were waiting to the end of the year, and we were going to do a quarterly offering. And then all of a sudden, um, the people of God here at Epiphany Fellowship gave so generously that it was paid off last Sunday. So, before Pastor Larry and, and our, team, our Malawi team go over to Malawi, the school will be finished. So by July, we'll be able to bring back pictures of what God is doing over there to minister to the people of God there in Malawi. Y'all ought to give God another shout of praise. Um, the, the, uh, we, we do have some more expenditures with that 
because we want to, uh, as a pastor over there, that we really want to support him and what he's doing to be able to f- be full-time and to fully dedicate himself to the ministry. And so it's a $600 a month deal that we want to do. So we're still raising money. So if you want to still give, we're still going to do another quarterly offering still for him in particular, just to love on him and jumpstart his fundraising because we really, 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 did I speak out of turn? I didn't speak out of turn, did I? Okay, I'm just asking the elders, all right. Um, that, we, that, we, that we're able to by God's grace, support him and really want to work with the church in Malawi to do what God has called it to do. And just come alongside of them for that. And I, um, brothers in Uganda, so we're really, really excited about that opportunity. Also, um, I, I got a surprise this week from my publisher, and they sent me a pre-pub copy of my new book, Manhood Restored. And so I'm thankful to the Lord for that and thankful to the Lord for uh, helping me to finish it. I just started on two new books. Um, I don't know when all of them are coming out, but one is on Eve Redeemed. Um, And the other one, I'm going to keep a secret. And so once that one comes out, it's going to be fun, though. It's going to be something good for us to use as a tool for discipleship and that type of thing. Be in prayer about just how God uses the res- this is as, as a resource. The curriculum will be coming out next month and the DVDs and everything, and, and we have a lot of things coming up. Got some stuff coming up in um, Hamilton, Toronto, Hamilton, Ontario, uh, Indianapolis, and Long Beach, and some other things that God is having us to do some things regionally with some pastors uh, to help regional chur- churches unify across their regions to be able to impact men with the gospel of Jesus Christ and for them to become gospel-centered men. And so... Um, just keep that project lifted up in prayer as we move forward in what God has called us to do. Amen, somebody. Amen. Amen. So why don't you stand to your feet? We're ready to dig into the scriptures. Um, turn with me to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. When you get there, say amen. Amen, amen, amen. If you can, Che, you could just leave this up here for the people who don't know how the word of God. You could just leave it there once we finish reading it. All right. Um, I'll start off and you guys finish. We're going to read verses 1, then 3 through 5 of this book. I'll start, you finish. Here we go. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Keep going. Amen. 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 So I want to talk about this Sunday morning. Uh, It's going to be a little lengthy uh, on womanhood and discipleship. Womanhood and discipleship. Let's pray. Father, we honor you. Thank you, Lord God, for the ability to be made into the image of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the goodness and grace of the gospel that transforms us from spiritual death to spiritual life. And God, I pray today that we would internalize this because we need to amp up our discipling within the church. Uh, so that, uh, because without it, the image of Christ, be, us being conformed to the image of Christ, uh, is, it, it will never happen like you want it to. And so, God, I, I pray today that this would not fall on deaf ears and parched hearts, but that you, Holy Spirit, would be the seasoning for the soul that would prepare hearts and minds to be able to be receptive to your truth. And also, I have to be out of the way. And so, God, I, I want to I move, help me to move out of the way, no selfish intent, no foolish words, but God, um, but edifying words that come from on high. God, I need that for your mercy. And God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength, our redeemer in whom we trust in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody agree with that? Say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um. And in, in, in beginning this subject on womanhood and discipleship, as you know, we've been going through a series on uh, Eve Redeemed. And it's, it's, it's only uh, appropriate that we go to this passage. I didn't want to save this passage um, for the family series. I'm going to deal with this in a different way when we get to our series on the family in a few months. But I, I, I really wanted us to be pastored through this idea of womanhood and discipleship. And what reminds me of this idea of woman and discipleship is this whole idea of branding, 
Um, people are brand, you know, uh, people got, I got my brand and I'm trying to get my brand out there and that type of thing. And so you have this philosophy of people rebranding their company. The process of rebranding just means I want to recommunicate through marketing strategies and external presentation what we're about so that people can re-relate to us differently. So the, you, you even see it to the point with McDonald's. You know, McDonald's is trying to be known for being healthy now, you know. Um, so, you know, I mean, you got on Facebook, you got the four burgers out there. All the, you know, the McLean, that was the McLean. That was the one I was trying to remember this morning. Y'all don't remember the McLean, the McRib and all of that, right? Uh, the Mac everything, right? Uh, McDog, McJoker, McPossum, all of it, right? Um, <laughs> But, 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 but some people had them laid out, and they had them out there for like a year and a half, and them joints looked like they were just taken off. So it was like, wow, that pres- that's like fossilization, right? And so they didn't want to be known for them, them being fat. So they're trying to get parfaits and all different types of healthy things together so that they can be perceived as more than just a burger company, but because of the health kick health stuff. Um, you know, Target, you know, used to be just a place where, you know, the quote-unquote lower class went. Now they're trying to rebrand themselves, and you go in their home section, it kind of looked like Ikea back there, John, you know what I'm saying? And they, they want you to call them Target now, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not just Target, but Target. Um, I remember um, Burberry's, you know, dudes used to rock them Burberry uh, scars with butters. You know, I don't know nothing about that. And some, you know, an MCM hat, you know what I'm saying? You had your Burberry scarf on because the beige in it matched with the beige in your, in your butters. I'm, lo- I'm losing some people. But, 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 butter Thames, butter Thames, butter Thames. So, 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 but, but, but what ended up happening, but what, but what ended up happening was it got basically viewed as gang gear. And so they had to rebrand so that people wouldn't perceive them as, 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 uh, as gang gear, but of, of an elegance of sorts, of which the upper middle class would be in the upper echelons. Of that. But I ain't paying $350 for no scarf in Jesus' name. I'm not. All right? But in other words, they wanted to rebrand it because they wanted to be perceived differently. And, 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 I, and I, think, I think the view of womanhood in the church needs to be rebranded. Uh, um, I, 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 I believe that there are perceptions of womanhood in the church that need a lot of help from the Lord. And we're not just talking about rebranding on an external perception tip, right? We're trying to get beyond just perception and marketing and savvy and get it down to the gully of the soul that, that, that that's where the true branding and transformation takes place. And so what we want to see is we want to see a, 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 a beastly crew of women that love Jesus and will hold their Bibles until their fingerprints are branded inside of it. And that they're committed to what it means to be a woman no matter what. No matter come hell or high water, you're saying, I want to be a woman no matter what. No matter what gets in my way, no matter who gets in my way, no matter where gets in my way, is that I want to look like Jesus at any cost. But, but, but these are some of the characters, caricatures of womanhood in the church now. And, and I know that's not at Epiphany Fellowship, but this is just the other churches, right? The fake church girl. We ain't got to explain that. Uh, uh, the shouter with no transformation. Um, you know, the closet freak. I said it. Because y'all know I'm telling the truth. The fashion Easter. The homie chick. The known freak. The bossy woman. The naive woman. The prey of men and the gossip. You know, and so, and so these are caricatures in which biblical womanhood is, is known as in the church. And because of the escalation of femininity in the church that's unredeemed, the church is not deemed as being taken seriously. And, and, and so because of that, we don't want to just dog on that. But we want to see the redemptive faculties of the gospel take root in the lives of women on an extremely seed level. And so we come to a book that I believe is one of the most important books in the New Testament uh, because of the way it's structured. It's, it's a phenomenally structured book. I can remember reading Mount's commentary from cover to cover a few years back and just uh, uh, being blown away by just the nutrition that's saturated uh, in the pastoral epistles. And this is one of those pastoral 
epistles. Um, they can almost be added to the idea of the prison epistles because Paul was on lockdown um, when he wrote this. And so, so what happened was Paul was, Paul was uh, appealed to Caesar at the end of Acts because he remembered his calling of having to go to Caesar and present the gospel to him because he believed that if he went to the head of Rome and present the gospel to the head of Rome, then the gospel would permeate the entire empire if Caesar got changed by the gospel. And so on his way there, he's on lockdown. I don't, we don't know if he got shipwrecked or what, but they began sharing the gospel on the Isle of Crete. And the Isle of Crete has, has uh, many, many, many different uh, t- uh, uh, cities within that particular island. And, and so somehow, some way, shape, or form, Paul was able to proclaim the gospel while in change, while some of his young bucks was with him. And one of his young bucks or his young bulls was named your boy Titus. And so Titus is, is, is with him, and, and, and he shares the gospel, and, and tons of people meet Jesus by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. But because Paul is under chains, he was not able to stay there on his normal six-month to three-year period. So therefore, he dispatched Titus as one of his apostolic delegates to stay in, the, in Crete uh, for a while and to do several things. It's rooted in verse 1, I mean, verse 5 of chapter 1, where he says, I want you to set in order what remains. Now, in him setting in order what remains, he didn't want there to be people that got evangelized but not discipled. Because it's not enough to just communicate the gospel to people and say, we had 20 come to Jesus today. We had 650 come to Jesus today. And wanting to throw out numbers, but not wanting to do anything about their development in the Christ that they say that they were transformed by. And because of his apostolic concern for more than just conversion, but the continuation of the application of that conversion, for them to go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. Why? Because his philosophy was admonishing and teaching every man that they may be presented complete in Christ. And so because of that, he recognized that God had predestined us all to be uh, conformed to the image of Christ. And so because of that reality, he's saying to himself, I have to make sure that we put the necessary means of grace in place to make sure that there is structure to facilitate their spiritual growth based on their conversion. You track it with me. So he sets up three things he wants Titus to lay out um, in the book of Titus. In chapter one, he sets up leadership. Let's just trek with me. I'm just giving some background. He wants to give leadership in place because he knows that if you have conversions without ecclesiological structured leadership by a body of a community of qualified men who guide and lead the flock, who lead, feed, care, protect, and know in their shepherding, then he knows that there will be anarchy and destruction and division within the church. Why? Because people are attracted to small churches and church plants with no leadership because they want to make sure that they tear that thing up after themselves. And so Paul said, I'm not going to let you tear up God's church. What I'm going to do is I want you to insert and stay there until there is a crew of qualified men who love Jesus to death and have the character, competence, commitment to be able to shepherd the flock as a unified community with the first among equals in every single city. Then you go from there, and he goes from there to the, from leadership to discipleship. Discipleship is he wanted disciple processes in place and people really to be a structured and available to be able to help people to be shaped in the image of Christ. But not only there, because he didn't want them to become an ingrown toenail. So in the last chapter, what he does is he does something phenomenal, is he wants them to be on mission. And sharing Jesus in their city and challenging people and honoring people to the gospel. So he wanted leadership, discipleship, and mission. Are you with me still? And so he comes here to this passage that we're in. And it's, and it's interesting here what he has him do, do what brings me to my first point. Um, 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 the, the way this deal is set up in the church in relation to womanhood and discipleship. First, the church must be an environment of comprehensive health. The church must be an environment of comprehensive health. He tells him, look in verse 1, he says, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Sound doctrine has gotten a bad rap. Because sound doctrine has been reductionistically laid out as a browbeating philosophical construct. And so what has happened with sound doctrine is sound doctrine has to do in many people's minds as just weighty information with no depth of life and application. 
In other words, if I know a lot of information, if I can say big words, if I can quote classics uh, and, 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 and lay those things out, then I am deep. But that's far from the shores of sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is a powerful term, uh, two terms together, which is hygienis da discalia. It's powerful. Hygiene is where we, this is where we get our word hygiene from or health. Da discalia talking to teaching or body of truth that takes people from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity doesn't just land them in knowledge, but lands them in transformation. Are you tracking with me? And so, and so, and so as, he, as he looks at this word sound, sound literally means to be healthy. In their culture, when, when someone went to the doctor and you got a clean bill of health, they said you had great hygienists. In, in, in other words, the, the doctor is saying that you're in a place of health. This idea of health, healthy doctrine, points to information that transforms the soul and transforms the nature and purpose of the church. And so Paul tells Timothy, I mean, Paul tells Titus to teach what accords that which connects to that which brings comprehensive health to the church. That means that if you don't have sound doctrine being preached and taught in the church, then the church, I don't care how good the relationships are, I don't care how good your projects are, I don't care how good your outreach is, if you, if you don't have sound doctrine, you have nothing to disciple people in. You have no health in the church, and you have no transformation in the church. You have theological anarchy where people do what is right in their own eyes, like the book of Judges. But sound doctrine sets the theological tone for the church so that the application is healthy. And so, and so here he, he tells the, 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 if you want to call him a bishop, I like apostolic delegate that's there as he's in this process. He said, you have to create an environment in this passage where you set the tone for how discipleship is done. That means leadership must emphasize discipleship above their platform. I wish I had some help right there. Leadership must emphasize discipleship above their own personal preferences. Leadership must emphasize discipleship at the cost of themselves. Leadership must emphasize discipleship at the expense of sacrifice. Everybody must recognize that the reason why we're here is for discipleship. So Titus lays out for us a phenomenal layout of what it means to, Paul does in, instead, lays that out for us so that he makes his primary responsibility is teaching people not only the information but the how of the information. So teaching sound doctrine is the what, the who, and the how. The what is the information, the who is the living God, the how is how you live in light of the information that you got. In other words, it's not sound doctrine if you just know the who alone. It's not sound doctrine if you just know the what alone. It's not sound doctrine if you just know the how alone. But all of those work together to make people whole. And so therefore, there has to be a sense in the church, in the environment of the community of the redeemed, that there is a clarity of the what, the who, and the how. Which brings me to my next and last point, which I'll spend most of my time on today. Um, women, women are to be freed to be healthy and to be, uh, and to bring health to other women. Let me say that again. Women are to be freed to be healthy and to bring health to other women. Women are to be freed to be healthy and to bring health health, not self, to other women. All right, let, let's, let's chop this up a little bit. It, it says here, it says older women. Now, this older women is interesting here um, because it's the feminine word for the word elder. And, and, and it's a feminine term that points to women who are in a certain place in life. Now, it's interesting that in their culture, older women technically, based on the context of the passage even, are women who are around, around the range of 35 and up. Because in their age, womanhood, you became a woman much younger than you become now. And because of that, at 12 and 13 years old, enough women were getting married and, getting, and, and having babies. So the time they were 35, they had a 20-year-old. You know what I'm saying? And so that means they had been with a husband for 20 years. 
by the time of the age 35. So 35 and up now, this can apply to single women, stay with me, but I'm just preaching the context of the passage, right? And so therefore, even the single women at this point, even if they were unmarried, had vicious experiences with the Lord Jesus Christ that reflects the reality of them walking with Jesus and walking with him faithfully so that they can shepherd and, I mean, so they can minister to other women. Now, it says, likewise, just like it talked about the older men being dignified, he has a term, an adjective that describes the whole of what a woman is supposed to be. Who is an older woman worthy to be followed as a disciple maker? Are you tracking with me? Uh, it, 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 it says uh, they are to be reverent. Somebody say reverent. This word reverent is interesting. Interesting word. Because reverent here means is that which is determined filled or consecrated by divine power. It means that which is suitable to holiness. Uh, temple-like, if, if I can stop there, let me park. This temple-like here is interesting because the idea points back to Tanakh or Old Testament law, prophets, and writings. Y'all still trekking with me, right? It points back to temple instrumentation, things that were common at one point, but that God got, got together a skillful craftsman and built out of already created material, whether it was a vessel for oil, whether it was incense, whether it was the temple itself, and God anointed it by the smearing of the priest in order to make it a holy instrument. That's what Jesus Christ did with your life. Jesus Christ, the great high priest, took you who were common and poured his blood out on your life. And when he poured your blood out, his blood out on your life, you, became, you went from being a vessel of wrath a son, a child, a daughter of disobedience, a, a daughter of Satan, to now being a vessel of mercy. And so now you have everything that was, that, that's been smeared uh, by the priest always has unique uh, uh, usage. In other words, it's not used by any old body. Only the priest can touch it. You know, only, only those who've been anointed by God can touch it. I wish I had some help right there. In other words, they weren't supposed to be touched by everybody. Because God has something against everybody touching his holy instruments unless they, oh, I wish I had some help. Ask Uzzah. Uzzah, Uzzah reached out. He wasn't a priest. And when he, re he didn't even touch the Ark of the Covenant. He reached out and dropped dead. Ladies, you better watch out who touched you. I wish I had some help right there. But, but, but what's beautiful here is this woman is a woman worthy of dignity. She's set aside. She's not just touched by everybody. But she's been touched first by her king, which assigns to her new identity. And she's been grown up in the faith, and she becomes a seasoned representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, thereby making her a transferable disciple maker. That means her life is coppable. Her life is reflectable. Her life is modelable, if you will. We need women in the church that are modelable, not messiable is that this idea of reverence, just a beautiful dictation of what it means to be a woman who's untouchable by the enemy. One, one translator says, befitting of a holy person or thing, worthy of reverence. So older women in the congregation should be conformed to the propriety of their behavior. And so here, we see that she's to be reverent. But then it says, then Paul loves to do this. Paul, in his uh, layouts of a fruit of piety, always does a knot. You know, like, in, like he has a lot of these when, when he lays out. In, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, I got to teach for a while. 1 Timothy chapter 3, he'll give these positive things above reproach, and he'll say, not a pugnacious, not a drunkard, not a brawler. You know, not, in other words, to show you what to be uh, by learning not what to be. Okay, so he says, not a slanderer. Now, this term is a vicious term. This term is the word diabolos, where we get our word diabolical, or in, in Spanish, the word devil. In, in other words, slander is one of the most vicious forms of activity in the local body of the church. Why? Because it's a reflection of the devil. Why is it reflection of the devil? The reason why the devil got kicked out of heaven is because of diabolos. What is that? Slander. What did he slander and who did he slander? The throne of God. Because he slandered the throne of God, he got kicked out of heaven. 
Jesus Christ died on the cross because of slanderers lying on him, and he got crucified. Therefore, this is a blasphemous tendency of someone to create information about someone in order to demean who that person is to other people. Now, I know that don't happen here at Epiphany Fellowship because we all have great tongues, and we don't talk about anybody, and we don't gossip about anybody. We don't slander anybody, but this is a vicious thing that in the New Testament happened among women. And especially older, idle ones that had nothing to do but go from house to house and talk mess and create mess and not be a beacon of holiness, but a beacon of triflingness and not healthy and helpful, but challenging and trifling. And so we're asking God in this place today that he would create an environment of healthy women who don't run their mouths about devilment like my grandmama used to say. But, 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 you, but you have a sense of holiness that when you hear whack information, you either pray or shut it down by the disposition of your reverence. In other words, when you're reverent, some, when, when you have a reverent soul, a temple-like soul, there is something about you that people won't just do stuff around you because, there's a, because, because the holiness of Christ that's in you wards off demonic language. You, you, we're not going to talk about that right now, baby. See, you, you all, it's a mess, ain't you, sweetie? Come here, grab her by the chin, kiss her on the cheek, say, shut your mouth, baby. Shut your mouth and stop acting like a fool, all right, baby? I know you like to run your mouth, but we're going to walk in holiness, not hellishness. But then it says, not slaves to much wine. In other words, they drink a little something, something, but you can't overdo it. A little ta-ta right there, sippage, little sippage and nothing else, right? But what happened was... Some of y'all are like, hallelujah, God, I bless you today. Heck, yes, ha, ha, ha. Some of y'all right there, right there and there. Anyway, not slaves, to, not slaves to much wine, right? That means that they were drinking in the house. Girl, pull out that brandy, girl. Let's get to talking. Woo, jingle-ling-a-ling, jingle-ling-a-ling. Right, then you start sipping. Some of y'all missed that. Um, <laughs> uh, and why they get nice at noon? Because they ain't got nothing to do. Girl, pull out that vodka, girl. Pull it out. Woo, what you know? What you know? Oh, my good. I can't believe. Did you hear about that? I know. I'm sick of them, too. You know what? And y'all, cacao. And then it gets worse. Cacao. Taking it to the head over and over and over and over and over again. Then you off in the sea of forgetfulness at that point. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, 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 so he said, not, a, he said, not, 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 not out there. Slave, enslaved to wine, enslaved to being a slanderer. He said, but they ought to teach what is good. It's beautiful. Now he goes back to positive, which then begins to emphasize the directiveness of where the teaching should be emphasized and rooted in the first place. He needs to teach what is good. And, and, and so in light of teaching um, what is good, uh, these women, the teaching of these women are teaching that is in accord with the doctrine of the elders. In other words, when he tells Titus to teach what accords with sound doctrine. Now, then he tells her to teach the older women to teach the younger women, but it's based on the teaching that he got from Paul, that Paul got from Jesus, that Jesus revealed when he sent the Great Commission. So that means these women aren't like the people in chapter 1, verse 10, who are insubordinate, or the ones who are divisive in chapter 3, verses 8 through about the 11th verse. In other words, they, they teach what accords with sound doctrine. That means they are freed up within the body to be teachers. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, that you should have been teachers by now, but now you need to be retaught. It, it doesn't make sense to be an older person in the church, but the church ain't in you. Doesn't make sense to be in, be in the church and be here. I don't, listen, I, I know people say, you know, I praise God, I've been a member in good standing for 44 years. Member in good standing doesn't mean attendance. It means transformation. And so it, it, I like the fact that it says teach what is good. Points to the gospel or a gospel-centered point of reference in your teaching, but that you may be an aroma to be around. You, you, just, just that sense in which you, you, there's a motherliness about you when people come into your presence, that you're not loud and negative. Yes. 
Ain't nothing worse than no gum popping, hand on the hip, loud mouth, chickism of a woman. But we're talking about an aroma of the grace of God that hovers over her like a halo from glory. And, 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 and what she begins to do is as she teaches what is good and pours into these things and reinforces what the church teaches based on what God, not just because the church holds it, but because it's common historical Christian truth. That means that women must know historic Christian doctrine. No excuse. No excuse. Historic, that's too deep. Y'all always get deep. Where do you, you can't live without depth. You were born to be deep. Shallow ministry is over. Being a shallow woman is tired. Left field of the kingdom. When I'm talking about being deep, I ain't talking about uh, 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 a bunch of big words. That's not what I'm talking about. But you're a reservoir for bleeding the word of God. Somebody cuts you, you bleed Bible. That's what I'm talking about. You've been with God and people can tell that you've been with him. And they love being around you because they, your, your presence drives them to be with Jesus. That's what a good woman is. That's what a woman who teaches that which is good. Where there's a sense around you that I got to get my weight up. You know what I'm saying? Like, dang, you know what I'm saying? Wow. You walk away and you're praying. Because you're like, God, I'm far from the east. That don't mean the person's perfect, but there's a sense of maturity that, that, that comes of being in the barrel of the cellar of God's presence. That age like old wine that's to be popped open 200 years later and tastes better than the day it was bottled. That's what your soul was meant to be. So these type of women teach women in three areas. I, uh, 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 um, I, I got this from the what? life-ready woman. That thing is ridiculous. All right. Life ready woman. This woman was teaching her face off in this thing. I'm, I mean, my wife and I were on a family life cruise and I'm ironing my shirt before I go out and preaching. And they got her running on the TV. You know, they put the video in. And man, they had this woman. I mean, she was destroying the scriptures. I, st- I almost ran out the, started walking on water, running on, on the water around. I wanted to just, I wanted to jump out my window, run into two, two laps, and jump back up in my window into my room. Because she was destroying, I mean, phenomenal teaching. But she laid out, and was, it was very helpful for me to hear what she was saying, some, uh, some, some familiar things that she talked about in relation to what women are to be discipled in, in relation to good teaching. There are three things. Number one, in relation to this, and these are broader categories, okay? They're broader categories. Number one, core callings. Core callings. Number two, feminine callings. And number three, personal callings. A core calling, feminine calling, and, 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 then, and, then, and then and then personal calling. Now, <clears throat> core calling, core calling is this: callings that are for all God's people. These are the neutral things in Scripture that every believer is supposed to do, no matter who you are. Right. So that means you, you worshiper, fellowship, love others, live right, share Jesus, stuff like that. That's core callings of every believer. However, men and women are different. And God made them different for a reason because there are things that a woman can do that a man can't do. And there's the things that a man can do that a woman can't do because that's not their anointed calling from the king. So feminine calling points to the unique callings of, for women that men are incapable of. That is things like in this passage, discipling women because men aren't supposed to disciple women. I'll talk about that in a second. Based on 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 2, right? Men aren't supposed to do that. That's why Paul told Titus to teach the older women to teach the younger women. In other words, that means as you teach the older women to teach the younger women, they spend time with the younger women because there can be no impurity between men and women who are of younger stature so that there's no impurity that invades the discipleship process. I, I should have had a loud amen on that one. And, 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 so, and, so, and, so, and so there are, there are those things that only women that can do, right? Those are those feminine callings of women, of being a nurturer, if you will. There are things about, and, and an influencer, right? Those are things that God has called you to do as a woman. Then there are the personal callings, which are specific callings to each individual. Now the challenge now, the challenge now with these three is many women are attached to their personal callings at the expense of their core and feminine callings. 
Now, now what happens with that is the older women teaching the younger women, see, many times, see, culture exalts personal calling because personal calling is about you. And it's the seduction of being more male than female. Now, I'm not talking about lesbianism. I'm talking about a, 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 a sense that there, is, that there is an individuality that transcends what God has put in your core. And so what the seduction is, is my significance comes by my personal calling, not out of my core identity. And so what happens is, is when you get, you, 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 get, you get connected with your personal calling, when God's trying to put you into your core calling and your feminine calling, and it's coming against your uh, 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 personal calling, you begin calling God chauvinistic and the church chauvinistic when God is saying, that's not the core of why I put you here. That should orbit why I put you here. And, and, and so this is extremely important for you to understand is because many, I know we have a lot of phenomenally degreed women in here. And so I'm not coming against, against you being degreed. Don't hear me. See, Pastor, see, he always want to, you, uh, you know, he, he, you know he all, he, I think Pastor like that caveman dude back in the day. You know, I don't think Pastor, you know, I think he's thinking he's a bit barefoot and pregnant or just, you know, at the church all the time doing all the ministries and carrying on. And, and, that, and that's, what, that's what y'all think, but that's not what I'm talking about. Because, 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 because of this reality, that's why he calls them to teach what is good as behavior, a.k.a. practical teaching, purposeful investment. And so the Great Commission being a deep part of the woman's matrix. But what happens, though, with this, with, with, with these things in place, is there are several obstacles to some women being discipled. And I, I got the, I sent out some emails to some of the, some of the ladies, a, a, few, a few of the ladies that have been making disciples. And, and I asked their opinion, and they gave me some great things that I'm adding to the sermon that they, they gave me that was just rich. And some of the obstacles they said to discipleship is church hurt. They said that church hurt has gotten to some women. Some others, she, one of them said mama and daddy issues where those mama and daddy issues that they haven't got over and dealt with corrodes their ability to receive from anybody that would be a spiritual authority in their life. Um, treating uh, the entirety of their life as a victim mentality. So in other words, when you treat yourself like a victim, that means that everything is everybody else's fault but yours. And so what happens is that that's an environment for a lack of teachability and growth. Why? Because if everything's everybody else's fault, then you don't repent of sin. And when you don't repent of sin, that means that you're either not a Christian. It's impossible to be a believer and they're not to be. That's a sign of being a Christian that you can, because you can't get saved without repentance. How are you going to get saved? You got to admit you're a sinner. Like, and if you are a, a so-called saint and you can't admit that you're wrong, but everybody else is, then your salvation should be in question. Right. But then there's the other side of it in relation to that is you, you may have, you may have a sense of repentance about your sin as a sin nature. But in your sanctification process, you're unapproachable because you have this fortress up that allows you to be impenetrable to the penetrable truths of the scriptures. And, and so and so therefore, there needs to be an environment of teachability there. Suspicion of other women. You know, when I was growing up, women used to say, we hanging with the dudes. We don't mess with no sisters. We don't mess with them because girls is messy and they are a mess. You know what I'm saying? And so we don't want to be around them. But, 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 but in order to be, we're going to have to get over some stuff. Because if you're going to be formed into Christ's image, you got to get over some stuff. All right? And so the question I ask these ladies is, what, what, are, what are types of women that you look for to disciple? Um, uh, this, this is beautiful here, and I, I want to get Jesus in here and how he discipled, right? Um, one, one young lady said, she said, if I'm, I call her a young lady, um, if I'm looking for ladies in whom I will invest my life, I'm looking for some basic evidences of grace. She said, number one, I want to see that the Lord is at work, that the Lord is at work in that person's life. Okay, number two, she says, I want to join him in the work that he's already doing in our life. It's beautiful. Because, see, discipleship is not paternalism and a Messiah complex. 
It's God who begins a good work in somebody, and it's him that completes it till the day of Jesus Christ. So a discipleship is joining God in his effort to complete his work that he started when he saved the person. So Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ prayed all night before he chose his disciples, even though he had a prior connection with them in John chapter 1, verses 34 through 51. And so what happened is, is Jesus, uh, th- these guys were his elect community of men who God had saved, uh, was God was going to save him, bring on to his team. And so Jesus in his incarnation, even though he was God, saw himself as joining God in what he was already doing in their lives. And so that means you, you don't be so quick to mother somebody. Some of y'all are over motherers. Let me be your mother. Let me be. But really, you being somebody's mother is more about you and your significance than their growth. You, you can't be everybody's mother. Let them call you mom. You don't call, that's my, ch- no, let them do it. That's a part of discipleship. Discipleship, a part of discipleship, this is for free, a part of discipleship is God blessing people to recognize you for what you are to them in their life. I'll give you an example. When Jesus Christ came, he said, who do men say that I am? Yeah. You, you get that? He, he said, who do men say that I am? And then they began saying, well, some say you're Elijah, some are one of the prophets. But he said, who do you say that I am? And he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Then guess what? He said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Why? Because Jesus Christ gave room for God to give people that he was pouring into clarity of who they were in relation to his discipleship. I wish I had some help right there. And so, therefore, that means, that means that Jesus, who is the one who deserves to be in the way, got out of the way to be shown as the way versus forcing himself as the way. That's, that's key. That, that's key in discipleship in relation to that. You know what I'm saying? And so, and then, then she said, thirdly, thirdly, she says, y'all still trekking with me, right? She, she says, she says I, I, she said, I watch and wait. This is dope. I I love this. It's so subtle in the wording. Just I watch and wait and see what God is up to. Then I prayerfully approach them to see if if he has opened them to receive what I have to offer. That is phenomenal wording. Let me tell you why. Because we have this kind of entitled view to how Jesus called people for discipleship. Our sense is that Jesus chased after people to be, can y'all please be my disciples? I mean, I mean, I need somebody to follow me. I mean, can you follow me? I mean, when the dude said, dude said, I'll follow you anywhere. He said, well, for, uh, he said, he said, well, he said, well, sell all you got and follow me. Money, money was like, dang. Jesus was like, hey, I'm just trying to tell you. He let him walk away. One dude said, one dude said, one dude said, let me first bury your, my daddy. He said, let the dead bury the dead. Why? Because he was saying, let me go and wait till my father die. I get my inheritance, then come. Jesus was like, nah. In John 6, he teaches, unless you eat of my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And then it says, and many of his disciples were unwilling to follow him. And then he got his whole crew together, and he said, he said, do y'all want to go? He said, listen, Jesus had an open-door policy. He's like, you can roll. He said, I'm, I'm here for three years. I got to get with who's serious. I got a limited amount of time to get with a couple of people that want to give their life to what I'm doing. If you don't want to do that, grace and peace. And, and, he said, and, and, so, and, so, and so guess what? Now y'all think, now y'all like, that's mean, but it's in the Bible. Y'all think Jesus was this, oh, help me coming. That's not the Lord of the glory. And then, and then, 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 then Peter, Peter gave one of the best statements in the New Testament to me. This is when you know you're a disciple. He said, where are we to go? For you are the one with the words to eternal life. See, 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 when, when you lovingly want to be discipled, you lock yourself into where your health comes from. <laughs> One other, another young lady says, I think one thing that many ladies need to know is that discipleship is part of their responsibility as well. Yeah. She said, I think that there are a lot of young women that expect older women to chase after them. She said, and the reality is that older women have a lot of responsibilities. 
both single and married, older women. So if you're serious about discipleship, then you should be chasing after it. I like that she used it versus them. That's key. This is great. That's why women, women write better than men. It says, y'all are just beasts with y'all details. They said, they shouldn't, they shouldn't need to chase after you to disciple you. See, some of y'all, nobody's seeking after me. Who going to come get me? Who going to do this for me? Nah, you need to say, I need help. Ain't nobody, listen, you come to the gathering, you leave. Ain't nobody reaching out to me. Well, hold on, what? Like, I'm lost. Like, the Holy Spirit's supposed to see somebody by the head and say, point over there to her. Okay, go over to her and say, do you want to be a disciple? Uh, that don't, it don't work like that. Oh, spooky self. It don't work like that. It don't work like that. She said, it is what it is for older women, but if they don't know you, desire it, you may miss out. The other thing is there needs to be a call for older women to be available to disciple younger women. There are a lot of younger professional women at Epiphany that aren't necessarily making themselves available to be discipled. This is interesting. I, I, I want to call, I, I, I want to do kind of a call as I finish this up, because I got a lot more to cover, but I want to get this out of the way, because I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tarry with you. But, but, but there, there are, there, there's been an influx. Epiphany used to be average age 25, 25 years old. And now that's shifting and changing. We got herbs and spices popping up everywhere, all right? And we got 35-plus coming in families with three and four children and single women that have been walking with Jesus, divorcees who've learned some great things, single moms who've been through some hard life, and, and, and Christ has redeemed them and developed them and gave them some great things. You need to make yourself available. You need to make yourself available. And that doesn't mean adding discipleship to your life. You insert discipleship into your life of what you're already doing. And so that means that both have to make time for it. That's why I, we believe in sit, soak, serve. Okay? Sit, soak, serve. Now, there are some of you that I'm going to approach privately. If I see you discipling, I'm going to say you're not ready. And don't get mad at me. Because some of you, are, older women aren't ready for the transfer yet because you got some church hurt that you're going to transfer to other women. But then there are many of you who have just been sitting dormant loaded up with Christian truth, and, and all you do is receive, 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 and you need to open yourself up. You can come here and criticize the younger people. They don't want nothing. The younger, the, the younger. Don't nobody want to hear all that. Don't worry about it. Ain't nobody attracted to you dogging where people are spiritually because to prop yourself up. See, these young folk, what, what, what is that about? What is that about? God put you in this church as a missionary to a younger generation that's hungering to be transformed by the gospel. How dare you just talk, every time there's a cry, I see the younger women, and y'all need to do, y'all need to, and all of that. that ain't nobody receiving that, and ain't nobody going to ask you to disciple them because you're a cancer if you act like that. You need to get before God and help him to deal with your past issues and open your life up to be what God has called you to be, a woman of excellence, a woman to be a Roma. I don't care what stage of life you're in. You are to be a disciple maker. Anyway, it says train the younger women to love their husbands and children. That's one of the parts of it. It's one of the parts of it. With the single women, y'all just checked out. I see y'all. No, this is what the text says. Because you don't learn how to do this in marriage. You learn how to do it before marriage. Now, it's interesting that the word phileo, not agape, is used here for both. The, a sense of friendliness here uh, 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 is, is beautiful, um, and it's, gender, it's, it's specific. It's, it's, the word train here is dope. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a monstrous term. The word train here means to encourage, which means be nice. But admolish, that means to get in somebody's grill. So, it, so, so, so that means that training involves rubbish and choppage. <laughs> rubbish. And choppage. I need y'all to do that with me. Rubbage and choppage. Both. It's not. See, some of y'all like rubbage. But soon as somebody choppages, 
you runnages, all right? All right, so, 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 so what needs to happen is you need to, be, you need to allow for people to jam you up and you be available for it. But not only that, the, the word train means to school. But then it, then it also means to show. That has the lifestyle component. Because you can't be running your mouth about where somebody else is. And you're not modeling. Paul says, the things that you have learned and seen and heard in me, practice these things. That means that you're so crazy about your walk with God that you believe that there are things in your life that are transferable based on God's grace, not your pride. Love their husbands. You need to teach women how to love husbands. Uh-oh. Teach them how to love. You got to teach older women. You got to teach them how to love a husband. Teach them how to love a husband. And then you need to tell them about how you failed at it. Don't just tell them like everything, you know, you know, me and my husband, we be killing it. No, tell them when you snapped at them and when you cussed them out and walked out the house and drove around for two hours praying, trying to cool off. Tell them that part of it. They need all your testimony, not just the parts you want them to see that make you look like a super Christian. He said, baby, I cussed him out in tongues. You didn't tell them that part. And then I had to go back and the Holy Ghost tore every piece of my circulatory system up. And I went back home and repented in sackcloth and ashes. You need to tell them that part of it. I'm closing. I know y'all ready for me to stop. I'm closing. You know, and then it says love their children. You know, you, you, you need to be taught how to be nurturers. No, no, be taught how to be nurturers. Not just vipers. Nurturers. But then it says... It says, pure workers at home. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Here come the caveman. Uh-oh. <laughs> but it's interesting that women are, are, are to be created. Uh, one of the things that you were created to do was create a discipleship environment in the home. And that discipleship environment that you nurture comes from the grace of God that God has put on you because the man is a driver. A woman is a nurturer. You, a man is a visionary. You're a detailed strategist, manager. That's how God wired you, generally. Speaking very, very generally. And so, therefore, you need to know how to cook. I'm closing. I know I've been long. I'm closing. But you need to know how to cook. So I asked some women. I said, so I'll, I'll mess with y'all. Y'all be getting about to get married. I said, so what you going to be cooking? Pastor, I don't know how to cook. We're going to be going out. I'm like, I'm just looking like, Wow. It's 50-50. Ain't no such thing as that. It's 100-100. Two holes make a united hole. Two halves make a mess. Being pure workers at home. You know, I, I'm closing. The, 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 the Duggards tripped me out. You know, there are a lot of bad reality shows on, but the Duggards, they be killing it. If you watch Homegirl with them 50 kids... I mean, they got to wash clothes 10 times a day. They got structured rotations and feeding schedules and, I mean, just phenomenal management of the home. I mean, I mean that, that joint is crazy. And, 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 and God is anointed. Each, each, maybe none of y'all are going to have 17, 18, 19 kids. But then he's even like, shoot, I'm struggling with one pastor. You know, but, um, <laughs> but, um, um, but, but you know what? You know what? I believe God for each one of you. I believe God has structured you to not let your personal calling invade upon your feminine calling. And then it says at the end of the day, be submissive, fall into your God-ordained role in the home. Then it says in order that the word of God may not be dishonored. I'll deal with submission later. It's interesting that he ended on that. It's as if one of the things that's systemically important um, is, is the fact that the way women are perceived by culture sets the tone for how people view the church. Now, what's interesting here is that the Word of God may not be reviled because in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, women saw their freedom in Christ as a way to throw off their femininity. Whereas Paul reasserts them to what, that's why the hair covering thing was symbolic for there and all of that. But what's interesting here is, 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 that, is, that, um, is that Paul wants the women's femininity to be a, a, an attractional mechanism for both men and women. 
Because when women are in order, under God's ordained order, it attracts men to the church, and it attracts women to the church, and it exalts the goodness of the gospel because you falling in line in your God-ordained order reflects the Trinity. It reflects the submission that Jesus has to the Father and the submission that the Spirit has to the Son and, the, and reflects the submission that Jesus had to die on the cross as our Savior, that he was willing to submit himself to death on the cross for us. Phenomenal reality. And so I pray that I'm believing, I'm believing that every single woman in here will be a lover of God and a lover of God's people and be a beacon of light for the holiness of God through the gospel of God. Father, we honor you for your mercy today. We honor you for the goodness of God that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray, God, today that you would be merciful, that you would build into our lives a sense of your presence, a sense of your peace, and a sense of your structure. Lord God, I'm praying for uh, Sister Dale that she's going to get a whole bunch of questions out of this sermon, and she'll do the, her and her team will do the lion's share of laying those things out and, and that type of thing. But I'm believing, God, that women will be, this church will be structured around a deep sense of commitment to Jesus and discipleship in the lives of our women, where our women discover the glory of what God created them to be in Jesus Christ. And so, God, today I honor you that you're putting everything back in order through Jesus Christ, that you're restructuring and putting in position everything according to your original and even upgraded divine plan through Jesus Christ. Have your way in this place.